you to tonight's episode of Bible News Radio. Did you see that new opening, huh? I don't know if that's going to be the permanent one. My husband just told me he didn't have it done, so I'm going to have to go watch it again. But hey, welcome to tonight's episode of Bible News Radio. As you know, I am your sweet, lovable host, Daisy Lynn Harp. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. <sighs> so I just got done taking a nap because I had this lunch that was probably too many carbs, <laughs> to be honest with you. Plus, it's so cold here. I don't know if it's cold where you guys are at, but it's like cold here in Tennessee. And I, when I get cold, I'm like completely like, you know. I gotta stay warm. So I'm wearing my sweatshirt. Hope you don't mind so I can stay warm. Anyway, tonight what we're gonna talk about is a, a famous atheist argument for Christianity. Yeah, let me say that again. A famous atheist argument for Christianity. We're gonna learn something tonight from a famous atheist. We're gonna play you some commentary on that in a little bit. But first, what I wanna do is wanna wel welcome you to the show. And I also want to thank you for tuning in. I know you guys can tune in anywhere that you'd like. Uh, the airways are saturated with uh, <laughs> with people everywhere. Um, man, you know, 16, almost 17 years ago when I started the show, nobody was podcasting. I was like a forerunner. Now everybody and their grandmother, literally their grandmother, are broadcasting. So, uh, so hey, I don't take it for granted when people tune in. Because there's a gazillion voices out there that you could be tuned in for. Uh, and uh, what I got to tell you is that, uh, you know, if you're here, then God wants you here probably. Uh, and I'm thankful that you decided to tune in. Because I guarantee you the show is unique. <laughs> it's because I'm unique, just so you know. And of course, I got to introduce my husband, who's the brilliant brains behind all the... Um, the nice graphics and all of that. So if you look down in the in the corner Whoa. over there. Hold on. Oh, we need some... to do the same over here. Okay. So, yeah, but you see the note. There's some new logo, brand logo. So was that opening our new logo brand opening? Was it? Or were you just messing with me earlier? Huh? Hmm? Huh? What is that you're saying? So the, <clears throat> the BNR that's in the corner of our screen... Yeah. Down on my lower left. Okay. That's that's part of our new branding. Right. Okay. But the opening, was that, were you just messing with me earlier? What do you mean the opening? The brand new trailer opening. It's, it's kind of for a, now. It's, it's just kind of. It's kind of a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I want to thank Dave, David Gillespie. Pam Gillespie's husband for uh, for uh, doing that for us. He donated that to us um, as a gift to our ministry, and um, I think it's very generous given his clientele that he's had. I mean, you know, I I gave him my old logo, and I said I wanted I want it updated, uh, and I got rid of what I didn't really care for, and um, we added some. Uh, I kept my Bible, you know, over the, the the shadow of the cross over the Bible. That's my favorite part of the logo. We updated the, the font and the color to more purple, which I like instead of the pink. I, I've never really been that crazy about the font or the globe <laughs> in my old logo. I know some of you are like, really? Well, why were you all like excited about it? Well, because it was different. It was my very first design logo for the show. And I, I, you know, at the time I was excited, I just got something new, you know, but, uh, but you know, we, we're kind of in a shift here. We're trying to look more, not really newsy as much. Well, I guess kind of more newsy, but just cleaner, you know, and I love purple. Purple's like my favorite, like this color here that I'm wearing. This is like one of my favorite colors in the whole world. I just love it because it looks good on me and it looks good on the screen. You see the nice pretty colors. That's my color scheme there. I just, just really like it. And you're probably like, who really cares? What's this have to do with anything? <laughs> well, 
well, just saying. It has to to do with who I am as the host. Hey, as I said last night, if you want to learn more about the show, go over to BibleNewsRadio.com. We're going to be doing a facelift over there eventually. Uh, But I am the host. Randall is my husband. Uh, You can donate to our nonprofit, Heart Tug International. It's overseas Bible News Radio. There's a donate page over there. And give to your heart's content. We actually do have pillars of the community. That's what I call somebody who donates something once a month. Like, you're our pillars. You hold us up. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and so we thank you for that. Um, and uh, yeah, so thanks for that. All right, so today what I want to do, um, I want to talk about this famous atheist who, who really um, talks about, he gives some great arguments for Christianity. But before we do that, uh, as always, I want to start with something in the, in the Word of God. I want to share with you something I learned this morning. I was sharing this with Randall, also known as Bareface, people. Yeah, it's not his real name, but it is part of it. Um, so I make it a habit on the weekend to read one whole book of the Bible. And so today, this weekend, my book is Nehemiah. And in our Daily Disciples Facebook group, um, we're going to be venturing into Nehemiah after we finish the book of Romans, which is what we're currently reading. But all week I've been reading the Gospel of Mark. And it's so cool because the more you read widely, you know, like if you read every day and you're going back and forth, you're reading in the book every day, um, you're going to begin to see things like in one book that's tied back to another book. And you're going to like, oh my gosh, that's so crazy. It's, and today, again, I was seeing a whole bunch of stuff. It was really cool. Um, but I wanted to share one particular thing here that I, I was sharing this with Randall that I thought, oh, I had, had not cons- hadn't seen this. And so um, it was really cool. And this is, this is what is so cool about reading the Word of God is that you're never going to run out of the Word of God. Because the Lord will give you new insight and show you new things all the time as you're reading it. And it's, it's just so cool. I can't, I wish I could have everybody experience this. It's so cool. So I was reading in the Gospel of Mark. And just to give you guys a, uh, an idea of uh, some ways that you can mark your, your text. I use, okay, I use a couple things. So I use a highlighter, okay. And I also use these um, these stickies here. That's a sticky that you can get packs of those, and you can use them as bookmarks, tab them, and stuff like that. And then I also have this is just a regular piece of notebook paper. It happens to be small. That sometimes I use the sticky on it in order to write longer notes on the page, so that I know like what was going through my mind as I was reading it. So I have. So I don't mess, uh, because I might not have enough room in my Bible to write, but, you know, I have, I have these yellow things. So I have another one here on this page um, and all that. So, so so one of the things that I marked here, and one of the things that I've been seeing as I've been reading widely is I've been looking for obedience, right? And all through Mark, we see obedience and disobedience happening all throughout the book. And one of the interesting things is that you see the demons obeying God. They're obeying Jesus. They just completely obey. They like, they start yelling out, Hey, son of David, I know who you are. Have mercy on me. You know, that type of thing. Or don't torment me. Um, and Jesus is like, shut up, go over there, go over there. <laughs> and the, and the demons do, and I'm paraphrasing. Okay. You could read the whole book and you can look at it yourself. But then when we got here to chapter 14 of Mark, we see the plot to kill Jesus. And it's not from sinners who, per se, it's from the religious leaders, right? And in beginning in verse 1, it says here, um, it was two days before the Passover, and the festival of unleavened bread, the chief priests and the scribes were looking for a cunning way to arrest Jesus and kill him. A cunning way, huh? And then we see the story about the anointing at Bethany. Uh, This is one of my favorite stories. 
Um, and I'm going to read this really fast because it ties into this. So it says here, while he was at Beth, it was while Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, uh, and as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, a pure nard. She broke the jar and poured it on his head. But some were expressing indignation to one another. Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. Now, just put yourself here in this context a minute, okay? Here's Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's telling this, the disciples prior to this, he's going to die. It's going over their head. They're not hearing it, except the woman who's anointing him did hear it. And she understands because she's been a disciple too. Hey, stop it. Okay, you stop it. Okay, you go lay down. Okay, God gave me authority over the animals for a reason, people. Okay, anyway, so this woman heard that Jesus was going to, um, that he, that he was going to die. And so she, being called by the Holy Spirit and the Lord, uh, decided to anoint him with this costly perfume, which was estimated probably about a year's worth of money. That's what it cost approximately. The disciples who are following Jesus, they're getting all ticked off about this, right? Judas in particular. Um, and it says here, uh, for this person, for this might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor, and they began to scold her. Well, of course, note that, oh, it should have been, it would have been given to the poor. Like they were like, cared all that much about the poor they i don't think they did but whatever so jesus replied leave her alone why are you bothering her she has done a noble thing for me you always have the poor with you and you can do what is good for them whenever you want but you don't always have me so here social justice boom you're gone you're out the door right because this is you know judas is the father of the social justice movement okay because Jesus clearly said you're always going to have the poor. So you're never going to stamp out poverty. It's not going to happen. Um, but then in verse 8, he says, uh, She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And if you've listened to me for any length of time, then you've already heard me say this. But my question to you is, if there is one thing in your life that God could say about you that would be done in memory of you, that would be proclaimed all over the world in memory of you, what would it be? I'm sure the lawyer that got up that went viral this week as the cat lawyer with the cat filter on him on the Zoom call, <laughs> which was completely hilarious. That's what made me, made me laugh. I'm sure he wasn't thinking that morning when he got up, the whole world is going to know who I am tomorrow because of this cat filter on my Zoom thing. You know, you just never know when God is going to call and spotlight you. This woman passed the test. She did well. And Jesus declared, and it had it written in the word of God that, hey, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman did for me will be, she will be also acknowledged and will be told in memory of her, in memory of her people. All right. And then it says, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. And when they heard this, they were, they were glad and promised to give him money. So he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him scumbag all right and then it says on the first day of the unleavened bread when they sacrificed the passover lamb uh his disciples asked him where do you want us to go and prepare the passover so that you may eat it and this is the thing this is the new part that i got and this is so good this is, this is so cool okay listen listen to this so he said here so he sent two of his disciples and told them, go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Wherever he enters, tell the owner of the house, the teacher says, 
Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. So the disciples went out, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. So there's a couple of things in this passage that uh, stood out to me. Now, I'm, I'm sure most of you remember uh, when Jesus said, hey, go get the colt, you know, that's never been ridden. Go, go to that guy. He'll give you the colt. Tell him the teacher told you to do this, blah, 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 etc. And they did this and Jesus wrote it and they said, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? Okay. But this story is very similar for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, the disciples were obedient here. They were completely obedient. They didn't, they didn't go, oh, I don't know how, Lord, how are we going to know? How are we going to know which guy it is carrying the water, you know, um, etc. They, they didn't argue. And Randall and I were talking and Randall taught me some stuff. He, he made a really good point um, about this. And I think the reason this stood out to me was because it was different. So it says, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you and follow him. So Randall pointed out that men didn't typically carry the water. It was usually a woman. And if you go back to John chapter 4, then you will see the woman at the well. She was meeting Jesus in the middle of the afternoon. Um, normally women went in the morning, but she was kind of a um, loose lady, let's just say. And she was there in the afternoon. And we, we have this whole story about this woman and the well, right, the water. But here, there was a man carrying a jar of water that the Lord appointed for the disciples to meet up with. Um, and then it says, wherever he enters, tell the owner of the house. So we know it wasn't the owner. It was some servant, right? The teacher, he refers to himself as the teacher, says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover? So apparently Jesus knew this guy. And anyway, and then they went up. And then the guy that painted that picture of the Last Supper apparently was there. And he saw the all of the... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, which reminds me of another thing that happened. You know, have you seen that, that funny picture of the Zoom Last Supper? It had Jesus down here and then it has all these other ones on Zoom. <laughs> you really should buy some stock in Zoom, people. Just saying. Uh, but anyway, Randall, do you want to comment on this? Because you and I talked about it for a while. And, and I just wanted to point that out. I thought it was cool. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what uh, you want me to say. Well, other do you than... want to add anything to that? By the way, hi, oh. Ivan and Janice over on Periscope, whoever else is watching. I don't know your name unless you tell me, but hello, hello. And if there's anybody else out over there watching anywhere, say hello, say hi to you too. Yeah, the uh, water carrying thing. I mean, he goes back to Genesis, goes back to Rachel, you know, when, um, or Rivka even. Right. <clears throat> when Abraham sent his servant out and, you know, at the time, and it says the time when, it was the time of day when women draw water, and anyway, and so, yeah, I hadn't thought about whether or not he knew the guy that prepared the, the, uh, room, or just maybe, I was thinking maybe it was like a Cornelius kind of thing, where the guy was praying, God says, hey, prepare this room for a Passover, um, and he's like, okay, Lord, whatever. Yeah. And then, so when the disciples show up saying, hey, the teacher's saying, where is the room that I may eat the, in a Passover Messiah? He's like, well, okay, that's what it's for. And hey. the, and the man with the jar of water, I don't know, maybe was, could have been an angel as well. But, um. Either way, it's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. All right, so now what we want to do is we want to share with you a clip of a famous atheist um, who argues, let's just say, for Christianity. And I don't know if Google and YouTube and all these places are going to like ban me after I show this little short clip of Penn Jillette. But um, there is a video called Penn Jillette Converts to Christianity. Um, and if you don't know who Penn Jillette is, he's a famous atheist. Um, <clears throat> but... I saw this video today and I thought, 
you guys should see it. Um, and we're playing it for a reason. You'll understand once you see it. So, uh, Randall. Oh, hello, Tracy. Tracy's over there, and so is Carol over on YouTube. Glad you guys are there. Uh, hope you are enjoying the show. I'm trying to, my, my computer's so slow right now. It's like really slow. So I'm trying to say hi to everybody, but, <clears throat> but let's go ahead and watch this clip. Um, and then we'll discuss it. Has Pendulette seen the light? About three years ago, I came in the big think and I talked very strongly and very passionately about um, atheism. I did not believe in God. And uh, over the past three years, um, I opened my heart to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit filled me. And uh, all of a sudden, I realized that everlasting life is possible by following in the ways of um, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I have since then dedicated my life to Jesus Christ. I have, uh, I have joined the church, and I uh, will uh, live the rest of my life and die as a Christian in, um, in service and in joy with Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm just fucking with you. I had you for a minute, just for a minute that I, just for a second that I have you going, just for a minute. Can you imagine how much money I would make if I could just convert to real? I don't have to convert. If I just pretend to convert to real, can you imagine if I just took and threw away my atheism? If I threw away my morality and said I was I was religious and went out and started preaching? Can you imagine the amount of money I would make? But what good? If a man gain the whole world but lose his soul, no, I'm still an atheist. Pardon the bad language there, but <clears throat> I saw this today because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, I had no idea that Pendulette became a believer because, you know, Randall and I were talking about him and, and there's this 10-year-old video on YouTube where he talks about a Gideon who actually went and gave him a Bible. And he thought that the Gideon was a very nice person. And, and he, he basically says in that video, and you can, you can go look it up. He actually says that if you're a Christian and you really be, believe that people are on their way to hell, you should care enough about them to like, essentially tackle them and share the gospel with them. If you really, truly believed that people like that were, you know, atheists, and people who don't know Jesus are on their way to hell. You should care enough about them to, like, argh, like, be zealous enough to, like, pounce on them and tackle them and make sure that they hear the gospel no matter what. Okay? Um, Ray Comfort has done a video. What was it called, Randall? What's the, what was the name of the video you were telling me about you watched? Oh, The Fool? The Fool, right, where, where Ray Comfort is talking about how he's the fool, basically. Uh. Um, but anyway, in there, he talks about how he has had an opportunity to share the gospel with Pendulette personally. Um, and anyway, the bottom line is Pendulette has heard the gospel. Okay. The reason I wanted to share this clip, though, is because we live in a day and an age where there are gazillions of voices out there talking about Jesus. And they're talking about spirituality, right? They're talking about being spiritual. And you have Pendulette who has made numerous claims like, you know, like what I just shared. Um, and here he does, he makes this video mocking Christians, but he makes such a powerful statement about the church at the same time. Because if, if you really paid attention to what he was saying, what he basically just said was, hey, I could pretend to be a Christian. I know the lingo. I could tell you that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that I'm going to heaven, this, 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 and this. And I can make a boatload of money off it. Read your prosperity gospel teachers, which are like a lot of those people out there who don't share the gospel. They share a version of the gospel that they've convinced people is the gospel. They don't talk about the blood of Jesus Christ. They don't talk about sin, sin at all. They don't talk about repentance. They don't talk about what Jesus did. They don't talk about 
how Jesus was the propitiation for our sin. He was the payment for our sin. And we are sinners. All of us. Every single one. No one is good. No, not one. We are all filthy. Filthy. Filthy like, you know, it's it's such a ugly picture of what sin is. Our sin is as filthy rags, like menstrual cloths, is really what that means when we, when you read that. Now, I don't know about you, but <clears throat> I will say, I'm a middle-aged woman now, but when I was a younger woman, I had very, very heavy periods. Uh, I was anemic. I would pass out. I was, I was just, I had bad, you know, um, it just, I was not blessed with a, <laughs> with, with an easy cycle, let's just say. And I lost a lot of blood. I was constantly anemic, um, to the point where endometriosis is an issue, was an issue with me. And I had to have a hysterectomy in my very early forties, um, you know, which was frankly the best thing for me health wise. But I could tell you the mess that that is. If you've ever had to clean up a lot of blood, <laughs> you know, I mean, just a lot of blood. I mean, blood, like, ugh, gross, you know, that's our sin. And yet these, these voices out there who proclaim a different gospel, a different Jesus, you know, they know the right things to say, to tickle ears, to make people want to go, oh, if you... If you give me a love gift this month for of whatever, then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to send you this encouragement cube. It's going to tell you how great you are. It's going to tell you I am enough. You're going to declare all your I am statements. And so you could be like Jesus. That's new age garbage. It has nothing to do with the actual gospel of Christ. And it appeals to the flesh whatsoever. It appeals to the flesh the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. You just can't do it. And yet, Penn Jillette, in his mockery statement there, pretending to become a Christian, I'm like, wow. You know, how many people today in the church are Penn Jillette in that video? They're practical atheists at the very least fools at the worst because they don't believe in their heart there is God. And then you add on other layers of these preachers and teachers out and prophets and prophetesses and all these people out there who will say things like, oh, you know what, hey, you can engage in whatever sexual activity you want God doesn't care because God's love, love, love. That's all God is. He's all love. So he lets you do what you want. Free love is where it's at. And you can do whatever you want and tell God whatever you feel like. You tell God what to do. In fact, that's the other thing today. Um, I, was, I was sharing with Randall that I, as I was reading this in the word in Mark, um, back up here, a couple of pages um, let's see here. Yeah. Peter, in Mark chapter 10, um, in Mark chapter 10, we see the story of the rich young ruler. Um, and I'll read this. It says here, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, referring to Jesus, that he knelt down before Jesus, and asked him, said, good teacher, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And by the way, I should tell you that these false teachers, they don't talk about eternal life ever. It's all about the here and now, how you can live your best life now, how you can live the purpose-driven life now, etc. They never talk about eternity. They ignore it completely. But this ruler said, this rich young ruler said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus asked him, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go 
sell all you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. So there's a couple of things that stood out here to me. Number one, you have a rich person looking to test the Lord, but, you know, he knew about eternal life because he wanted to know how do you inherit it? How do you inherit? How do you get eternal life? And I'm wondering if this rich, young ruler, if he was only rich because he inherited it. I'm just curious. I don't know if he worked for it. It almost sounds like he didn't. But then Jesus responds. He doesn't even respond with the first part of the Ten Commandments. He responds with with the the bottom part. And the rich, young ruler says he's, he's done all this. But in verse 21... And I'm, I'm reading the Christian Standard Version, by the way, in this particular case. It says, looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go and sell all you have and give it to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. So yeah, we're going to have treasure in heaven. And you know, I was thinking about that. So we're going to have treasure in heaven. I wonder if some of those treasures... If, if a treasure in heaven could be a person. I don't know. Just a thought. Um, but he was dismayed by this demand. And he went away grieving because he had many possessions. And then this is the point I was going to get to. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Looking at them, Jesus said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. So re- look at the context here. The, the context here is salvation. The, the context of that verse that we always take out of context, with man it's impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. That has nothing to do with money, okay? That context here, you know, whenever people always use, oh, don't worry, with God all things are possible. Yeah, usually people, when they say that out of context, it has nothing to do with eternal life or salvation. That's the context. So Jesus is saying to his disciples, hey, Believe it or not, a rich person can get into heaven because with God, all things are possible. God can convert a rich person. They can actually go to heaven. But it's harder for a rich person to get into heaven than it is for the camel to go through an eye of a needle. And there's some controversy about what that actually means. But let's just say for sake of argument, it just means what it means, okay? But then here's the verse, 28. (sighs) Peter then says this. He says, Peter began to tell him, look, We have left everything and followed you. So here Peter has this little attitude. And this this stood out to me because I was like, yeah, I've always thought I was a lot like Peter. And uh, I think in some ways I I am actually not proud of it. You know, I'm I'm not proud of um, being like Peter. But Peter's like telling the Lord, hey, we follow, we we have left everything to follow you. Just so you know. (laughs) And then Jesus says to Peter, Truly, I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel, who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last and the last first. And then if you continue to read here, you'll see Jesus um, having this conversation with James and John, also known as the Sons of Thunder. Um, and, and they say to the Lord, Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask you. 
<laughs> Again, I laughed at that when I'm reading that. I'm like, these guys had some chutzpah, you know? I mean, they had a lot of nerve. Hey, Jesus, by the way, we want you to be our cosmic candy machine. You know, we, we want you to do whatever the heck we ask you. Just like, hey, Peter. Peter's like, hey, you know what? Don't you know that we've given everything to follow you? I mean, you should be grateful that we're following you. You know, it's that kind of attitude. And James and John, they're like, teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask. And, and Jesus is so nice. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And they answered, allow us to sit at your right hand and at, at your left hand in your glory. <laughs> they wanted some positions of power. Um, granted, James and John, I have to give them credit that they weren't asking for money or power on earth. They were just asking for it in the eternal kingdom. Why not? You know? Um, and Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And they basically, yeah, we're able. <laughs> yeah, we are. And Jesus said to them, okay, you're, you're going to drink the cup I drink. You'll be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with, but sit at my right or left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. <clears throat> when the 10 disciples heard this, they began to be indignant with James and John. Jesus called them over and said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so what is the lesson? If you read God's word very close and you take the time to actually read the word, you're going to see people who are disobedient and obedient to Jesus. And then you're going to see people who have this bold relationship lacking in ignorance. Now, I don't know about you, but I've often thought that children of royalty are brats. <laughs> Just saying. It's like, hey, my dad's the king. I can get whatever I want. He'll pay for my college, send me to school, buy me a car, do all this other stuff for me, pay, pay to get me into college. Even if I am stupid, I'll still get into the college, you know. And because I know who he is and I'm close to him and I'm, him, I'm his, his son, I get all these special privileges. And I think the disciples felt that way. I think that they're like, hey, we're close to Jesus. We're in his inner circle. We're just going to say, hey, you know, will you do this for us? We want you to do this for us. Will you do this for us? Please, 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 will you do it? You know, because that's, you know, hey, I, you've been talking about the kingdom. So we just want to know. We just want to make sure we get to be up here on the right and left. Uh, and just, you know, we just want want that. And you know what's funny to me is that Jesus, if, if you read this enough, you can only think of how Christ is responding. But I, I, I see Jesus as so patient. He's so patient. Occasionally he'll get upset, but he, he was really kind to these guys. Basically like, okay, you guys, look, you really don't know what you're asking, but if you think you can, then we'll do this, but it's really not up to me anyway. It's up to the father. So you're going to have to endure all this stuff and then see what the Lord's, you know, the father says to you in the, in the end. Cause I, I don't even know. Jesus, even in that was submissive and showed obedience to his father. And he, he is our model of obedience and the resisting of temptation. Cause I don't know about you, but I, you know, there are people in my life and the Lord's been kind of showing this to me. Um, you know, when you're in community with, with enough believers enough, some people are going to get on your nerves because they're going to, they're just going to, not everybody's going to gel, right? There's, you know, if you're around somebody every day, somebody is bound to get on your nerves. Um, <clears throat> if you're honest and I'm honest, <laughs> And there are a few people that really, really get on my nerves. I just want to smack them because I'm like, don't, you know, because I'm like, you know, you really should be farther along than this and you're really stuck, you know, and stuck people irritate me, you know, and all that. And God's had to like, kind of like reel me in and just say, okay, you just need to relax and chill, you know, realize where you came from 
keep your mouth shut and just listen and then and then see how you know God's using you and what God's doing in their life and you'll be good you know you'll be able to deal with this and God's been doing that and it's been a good thing um <clears throat> how much more so um when you're walking close to Christ you know when you know he has your best interests at heart and when you know he really loves you, he doesn't, he doesn't ask anything of us that he won't give us the ability to accomplish, you know? And I just have to say that when I watch Pendulette do his mock video, I hope and pray that Pendulette really does come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I really, 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 really hope he does. Because God is so merciful. He, he desires all to come to repentance. He doesn't want any to perish. But the reality is, is that the word of God talks about eternal separation, eternal death and hell for those who don't receive Jesus and get forgiven for their sins because of what Jesus did on the cross for our sin. If your sin isn't forgiven, then you're going to have to figure out how to get into heaven on your own good deeds or whatever, and, and that's it's not, it's not going to happen, right? And Penn doesn't quite get that. I hope someday he gets it. But his video is very powerful because he basically exposes what false teachers do. And he basically impugned any messenger who, any person who shares the gospel with the intent to get money and to talk about money constantly. You know, Joyce Meyer, false teacher. Joel <gasps> Osteen, false teacher. <sighs> Stephen Furtick, false teacher. I could, I could go on and on and on. And I know a lot of you guys listen to these false teachers, and I seriously wish you would knock it off. Because they're not teaching you the gospel. They're talking to you about self-help, pop psychology, and false prosperity. God never promised us prosperity, people. And they're not talking to you about your sin and how you can overcome it. The reason why so many of you are still stuck is because you believe what these false teachers are telling you. And you're, you're filling your, your head with their false teaching instead of God's word. Freedom comes through God's word and his word alone. God sent his word to heal you. But you got to take time to read his word and put down the crap that's being fed to you through these false teachers. You know, these false teachers are there because people tune in because they're too lazy to open up God's word and to read it. You know, God made the gospel so simple a child can understand it. So there's no excuse. If you're biblically illiterate, it's because you've chosen to be biblically illiterate. And I'm sorry, I feel like I'm getting a little harsh, but I am concerned about your soul. And if you're following these false teachers like Joyce Meyer and like Stephen Furtick and the Hillsong folks and Joel Osteen and all these people out there who are constantly telling you to declare I am this and I'm that and blah, blah, etc. then you know what? You're, you're not getting the gospel. In fact, I would dare any of you who are actually following these false teachers to show me exactly what it is that they're teaching you about Jesus in context and how it's truly helping you. Because the bottom line for these people is money. And that's proven out. That's bore out in their lifestyles and all the stuff that they have. And, and I'm going to tell you something. And I tell it because I love you, not because I care if you give to me or not. God will provide for me. He does. I mean, he, he provides for us um, in various ways. But what I'm going to tell you is that they're not helping you grow up mature. They're not helping you to grow up into maturity. You know, Joel Osteen in particular really gets under my skin because this guy actually has admitted from the pulpit that he's a coach. He's a life coach. He sees himself as a life coach. Oh, I'm a cheerleader, right? But he doesn't teach the word of God. And not too long ago, he offered the, he offered for sale this thing called a, um, um, <clears throat> an encouragement cube for a donation. 
Thank you. You're making a lot of noise over there. And um, anyway, all this thing is, I, I went and got one. I, I gave him $2 or whatever, I, what it was, just so I could see what it is. It's this big thing, and it's just him talking about how, you know, you're this and you're that. And blah, 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 great idea. You know, he's doing Oprah stuff. Oprah is a false teacher. She's a new ager. She doesn't give a, she doesn't know Jesus. She says she reads the Bible every day. Well, you know what? She doesn't read it with the Holy Spirit because she doesn't get it. She she believes in this whole uh I am garbage. You know what? Jesus is the great I am. You're not. You are not to go around and declare you're this, this, and this. You're going to declare that, and this is going to come to pass. You're going to declare that, and that will happen. And you're going to, by the power, declare that stuff. You're not going to do that. That is not the gospel. The gospel is that you humble yourself and repent. Jesus, the very first thing he said was repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. You got to admit you're a sinner. And I frankly don't see people who follow these people saying that they're a sinner. They're not even being convicted of their sin. If if you're not even if you can't acknowledge that you have sin, then you're deceived. You are deceived. If you don't get convicted when you say a bad word, just as an example, if you don't get convicted when you're thinking wrong thoughts, if you don't get convicted when you're watching some sexually immoral TV show, which is the overwhelming majority of them, by the way, if you're not being convicted of things that go against the Holy Spirit and what he teaches us, then I would question if you're saved or not. Because real believers have that conviction of sin and they want to repent and they're not going to live... Um, you know, they're, they're not going to live wrongly. See, atheists like Penn Jillette, they don't care. They don't care that they mock God. They don't care that they're, you know, out there earning money by deceiving people. The guy's a magician. His whole job in the world is deception, you guys. That's what magicians do. It's sleight of hand, you know. Magicians know better than anybody how much people want to be deceived, and you got Joel Osteen and Joyce Meyer and others like they're walking around. They're just being a magician, man. Just saying. Might not be like, hey, draw a card. Let's pull a rabbit out of a hat. It's not that type of magic, but it's even more deceitful. Because it's mocking God while these people are bringing in the cash. And they're using it for their nefarious purposes. Their gluttony, their, their riches, and stuff like that. And, you know, they put it out there. Oh, we're feeding the poor. We're doing this and this. So what? You know what? Who cares? Who cares that they're feeding the poor? You know, Jesus said that you're always going to have the poor with you. He also said that the evil man is the one that starves the poor because the ground that he created will produce enough food for everybody in the whole world so there should never be anybody who isn't being fed. It's because of the evil, wicked, sinful hearts of rulers in the world who don't give a crap about people for real. And you know what really gets me is that you have people who are, um, they don't care. They just don't care. They don't care. You know, and, and this makes me mad. I feel angry about this because, because I'm like, okay. So people um, are going to hell every single day following Joel Osteen and Joyce Meyer and those types, right? They're going to hell. And if those people could talk, what do you think that they would say to you? Do you think that they would say, oh, I didn't know? Or do you think that they would say, oh, you know what? Yeah, I had a love for money. That's why I gave Joel Osteen $5 million, hoping to get $10 million back the next day. Because that's the type of crap he teaches. Or Joyce Meyer and her self-help pop psychology, which is nothing but from the straight pit of hell. You think, she, I mean, do you honestly think, and I'm going to say this, and please forgive me for saying it, because it's not going to be nice. But do you honestly think she's the epitome of a godly Christian biblical woman? Because if you do, then you're sorely deceived. The woman knows not God's word. 
I have a master's in clinical psychology and I can tell you psychology will lead you straight to the pit of hell. And if all you talk about is self-help and how to overcome this and that and blah, blah, and your sexual abuse, you know what? What is she, 70 or something years old? She needs to get off that old track and get on something new and repent and truly come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because the gospel isn't about her and her recovery and it's not about you and your recovery either, you know? That is one of the biggest deceptions that has come into the church is the self-help movement. And, oh, we need to do this and this and this. Yes, it's fine to go through 12 steps and to learn and get out of those cycles of addiction and become, you know, aware of what your patterns are and grow through that. No, it's not fine to make that your God and your gospel. You know, if your gospel is the 12 steps, that's no gospel. Because, frankly, that gospel is works-based, has nothing to do with grace and mercy and God's provision in your life. I'm just saying. And, and these people, they don't drive you to God's word. They drive you away from it into their stupid self-help books that have nothing to do with anything except to fill their coffers and make them rich as they sit there and go, <laughs> Wow, I played the victim good on that one. Now look at all these people giving me money. I'm sorry, but Jesus never did that. Jesus, you know, if anybody, like I, like I talked about last night, if anybody could have played a victim card, it could have been Jesus for sure. Man, you talk about, you know, how Jesus could have easily played, oh, you know what, my dad, you know, people picked on me my whole life because my dad, nobody knows who he is. My mom tells this story about some, the Holy Ghost overshadowing her or something. She was a virgin. Yeah, whatever. Try growing up with that as my backstory. You know, none of my brothers and sisters believed in me. They thought I was crazy. You know, <clears throat> none of the girls wanted me. I ended up single my whole life. So I made up this thing about going to the cross and being God and stuff. You know, and hoping to deceive the world. I really wasn't God, but, you know. I mean, God, you know, Jesus could have played the victim card a million gazillion times over. And yet he did exactly the opposite. He became sin for us so that we didn't have to go to hell because of our ugly sin. You know, and if you're not wrestling with sin, again, I'm asking you why. How come? How come you're not wrestling with sin? Right? I mean, are you, are you, are you okay? Because if you don't have any sin in your life, I, I'm very concerned about you because everybody has sin. And yet these people never talk about it. They don't talk about the reality of hell. They don't talk about, you know, how hell was created for the devil and his angels. They don't talk about how the fire, how the worm is never going to be quenched, how the fire won't be quenched, how the worm will never die. They don't talk about the screaming and the torture and the torment of hell and how that's going to be where you're going to be. They don't talk about any of it. Why? Because, frankly, they don't believe it. That's why. They don't want to look at that because that's not their convenient prosperity gospel. You know, you try to scare people into hell, they're not going to give you money because you're going to be mad at them. Oh, I, don't want, I don't want that. I want a gospel that makes me feel good. You know what? The gospel doesn't make anybody feel good. That's not what the gospel is about. The gospel isn't about making you feel good. That's not what it's about. It's about Jesus and what he did to save you. And a lot of times people will go, well, God doesn't exist and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise. God's word explains all of it. All you got to do is open the word of God and read it. And if you're sincerely seeking him, you ask God and he'll show you. And that's the reality. Nobody can lead anybody to repentance, only God. And dare I say, we're living in days... Where you're going to have voices and voices and voices coming after you trying to tell you one thing. And if you're not in God's word, you're going to be deceived. Because I guarantee you, the more you read the word of God, the more you're going to see it. And if you're and not in God's you're going to be more convicted of your sin. And you're going to want to repent and you're going to walk in obedience. And you're going to want to walk in obedience. Because you're going to realize who Jesus is. He isn't this, you know, pansy God out there who, you know is this weak little weakling. 
No, he created you. He was before the world existed. He was. He's the one that mapped out the whole plan. I mean, even the history of the Bible itself. There are 66 books in, in the Word of God that were written on three different continents over a period of about 1,200 years, maybe 12 to 1,500 years, in three, at least three different languages. And yet, there's this thread throughout all of them that point to Jesus as the Messiah, that point to the Jews in Israel as God's chosen people, that point to ultimately Jesus coming and fulfilling that mission. And yet, people have the nerve and the stupidity to say God's word is fake. It's a bunch of fairy tales and stuff like that. And yet, it's the most comprehensive book you'll ever read. And it's a miraculous book people have tried to destroy and have not been able to over millennial. Thousands and thousands of years, they haven't been able to destroy it. People died to get it translated into the language you have, and yet, you're too lazy to read it. And yet, somebody... A lot of somebody's died for you to be able to read it in English. And yet you're too lazy to open up and read it. And yet people died so that you could get it in your own language and read it. And yet you don't read it. And my question is why? Why? What, what are you afraid of? Oh, I don't understand it. I don't have the time. That's a lie. We all have the same amount of time. And if you don't understand it, there's lots of Bible teachers out there with commentaries. But even more so, you can ask God to help you understand it. And he'll, he'll let you understand it. A kid can understand the gospel. So that's not even an, that, you know, that is not even an honest answer. And you know what? We live in dark days. I'm going to tell you, it's going to get darker for the Christian. But as a real believer, you don't have to fear because... Because God is with you. And, I, and I'm just going to say that it's time to get real. And normally I'm not this, you know, like adamant about it. But you know what? I'm so sick and tired of people, you know, um, lying and not paying attention to who Jesus is. It really bothers me. Do you not know who he is? Even, you know. You know, why do you think Peter's proclamation was so important and, and the church celebrates it, right? When, when Jesus said to the disciples, who do you say that I am? And Jesus said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. Why was that so important? And why is that recorded in the word of God for us to know? It, was, it wasn't important because that great proclamation made Peter the Pope, right? The first Pope of the Catholic Church has nothing to do with that. It was important because here's a lowly fisherman who chose to follow Jesus and listen to him and follow him and be his actual disciple. And the disciples know who Jesus is. The disciples know who Jesus is. They know who he is. And the real disciples, they go out and they tell people to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They tell people, you do this because Jesus said that. You be obedient because if you're not, this is what's going to happen to you. It's not a fear-based religion either. It's a relationship-based religion. We do things for Christ because we love him because he first loved us. That's the foundation of our faith. It, the law shows that we can't keep the law, you know. And, and the greatest commandments Jesus <clears throat> wrapped up in the two greatest commandments. He said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your body, and your strength. And then you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you are not doing that, then I would ask you why not? Because if you're not doing that, then my question is, what is your gospel that you're following? Are you like the guy that passed by 
the Samaritan or the the font, you know, the the good the good Samaritan went out and and was good to his enemy. Or are you are you like the religious folk that walks by and doesn't help? Just can't do it. I don't have the money to give. I don't have this. I don't have that. Blah, blah, blah. You know. Is your faith without works dead? Are you merely a hearer of the word, but not a doer only? You need to, you need to think about it. And you need to really think about it because in America, Christian persecution is going to increase. I guarantee you. And you're going to have to make a choice. <clears throat> and that choice is, are you going to go with Jesus or are you going to deny him? Are you going to deny Jesus or are you going to betray him like Judas did? And that was another thing I wanted to bring up. I was reading in Mark. You know, there's an interesting um, parallel between betrayal and denial. Betrayal tied back to Judas, who was very close with Jesus. You know, betrayal, you cannot betray somebody unless you're generally close to them and intimate with them. You would never expect your spouse, as an example, to betray you. At least I would hope not. Jesus, I, um, Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me before the cock crows twice tonight. You're going you're gonna to deny me three times. Peter's like, ah, I would never do that. And he did, but he wept bitterly when he realized it. So he had a little bit of a softness of heart in there. He realized what Jesus said was true. And eventually God came back. He gave him the opportunity to tell him he loved him three times to kind of make up for the, the three denials, right? And then eventually Peter did die for, for him. But Judas, he betrayed and he ended up dying, hung, committed suicide. Which, by the way, any Christian that commits suicide, I wonder, I wonder how valid that is. So I see here that our uh, um, time is about up. But Randall, I'm sorry, I ranted a little bit. Do you want to weigh in on anything? This this hour went by fast, man. You get me behind a microphone in the Bible, and I tend to go on for a long time, but yeah. Yeah, there's an interesting conversation going on on YouTube between uh, Forrest Haney and a black atheist. But it uh, looks like they've got it going on pretty well okay. themselves. There's, um, yeah, too much to address in such a short time. But... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right, everybody. So with that said, take this show as kind of a gentle exhortation to, to repent, to get right with Jesus, to read the Bible, and to stop listening to false teachers, okay? Because these people are not helping you any. They're not. And... Your Christianity isn't about you. It's not about you declaring anything. It's not about you saying, I am, fill in the blank, blah, blah, etc. That's not about it. If your Christianity is about you, it's not Christianity. Because Christianity is about Christ. And he's the one that loves you. He's the one that died in your place to forgive you of your sin. And I don't know about you, but like Penn Jillette basically said, you know, a Christian that doesn't share that with others, you know, warn them that hell is there on the other side if they die. He questions their faith. I want you to question your faith. Even more so, I want you to examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Because if you don't have a heart for the lost and you're not sharing Jesus with people because you're so wrapped up in your own self-absorbedness, and look, I've been there. That's why I can talk to it. Because I've been there. Then I wonder. I wonder. The rich young ruler wanted to know what he had to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus told him he didn't want to do it. Maybe Jesus is saying the same thing to you. Here's what you have to do to inherit eternal life. 
Do you want to obey or do you want to disobey? Something to think about. I'll leave it there for tonight. I hope you have a good night. Do you want me to say my tagline? I, I wanted a... to end it there. Like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> but I will say to those of you who are believers, be bold, stand up, and go with God because he loves you. To those of you who are not believers, repent.